Kaylee, has there ever been a time when you've done something that made you feel like a superhero? And feel free to blow your own trumpet here. <laughs> I will. Um, obviously, I am heroic in many instances of my life. I'm trying to think of it. a specific example. There's one where I don't think I'm a hero so much as just like a scrappy Jessica Jones type, where one of my friends had this really bad friend who tried to be creepy with her when she was drunk. Mm. And I apparently flew at him like a cat <laughs> and scratched him. You threw the cat at him? No, I flew at him. Oh, like... flew at him. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then went for his face. So I think that's kind of heroic. So I sort of saved. Heroic, savage. The two. There's a fine line between the two. Yeah. So there was that. Uh, and then I'm, I'm sure I've already bragged about this to you once, but... Um, Recently, we had a flooding near our area, like the river burst its banks while I was walking the dog. And I didn't realise how bad it was going to be until I realised the bridge was underwater and we had to now wade through waist deep water. So I just picked up the dog and carried him to safety. Knowing your dog, I just imagine him on a palanquin, which, <laughs> which only you are carrying, which is usually <laughs> carried by like four hulking bodyguards, but you, you it's just you. <laughs> And your dog on there, like, Mrr. pretty much. But he was more damsel in distress. He had his two front paws around my neck at one point. <laughs> and he's not small. You've seen him. He's like quite a big dog. So yeah, but he's a total wuss. He is. He is a complete wuss. He was just like water. I can't do that. He was insane. Even so. just a bit of rain. I think I can imagine him being like, I'm not going outside. No, and it was it was scary for a minute. Like my foot got caught between like a stone and something else. And I was like, oh no, I'm trapped now in this rapidly rising waist deep water with a dog in my arms. But we made it, it would turn into um what's that film? Is it oh 127 hours? Oh my god, yeah. But and you have to chop off a limb to survive. <laughs> and I would do that over over ditching the dog. I've since been told like if there is a situation like that, you should leave the dog. And I was like, who does that? That was evil. No, you can't leave a dog crying. No. And I also don't think he's like, you know, you hear about these other dogs who are like, I saved myself while my owner's drowned trying to save me. I don't think he would do that. I think he would just drown. <laughs> I've heard I've heard stories of like um three or four year olds being at home and um like their parent collapses because they're ill, and then the three or four year old rings the police, like does everything that they're supposed to do and stuff, and it's like really heroic and that. And yeah, I can't imagine your dog being that capable. No, I think you just like. I'll lie here. I mean, I got locked inside the bathroom the other day because the, the handle came off. And I kept being like, Dennis, Dennis, get help. Or, or jump up and hook the handle from the other side. And I looked through, like, we got like a little bit of glass on the door and he was just lying there. Just looking <laughs> I was like, well, you're, you're not Lassie, are you? You're right. Lassie he is not, no. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, heroic-wise, no. I guess it's small, quieter acts of heroism that I'm more known for. Mm. Known for, like, <laughs> not known for, but I'm more likely to do. Like, go and mm. help a friend out if they need me, type vibes. And, oh, I carried someone home when they were very drunk and stopped them from throwing up. Oh, we've all done that. I guess if that's an act of heroism, I'm, hero I'm a hero ten times over. And people have been <laughs> a hero to me. <laughs> she kept attacking me as we go. She didn't, for some reason, when she was drunk, this person who I'd never really spoken to didn't like me anymore. <laughs> so oh. she just kept lunging at me. And I was like, I don't like you, but it's fine. We'll get you up the stairs. Hmm. <laughs> What are your what are your acts? Mine mine are very small, I guess, but they do usually involve animals. I remember one time walking to school and we found this pigeon that had very obviously broken its leg somehow. Um, and we talked about potentially knocking on someone's door to call the RSPCA. We were like eight, so 
<laughs> like we didn't really know what to do I mean, and i don't think the rspca would help a pigeon because there's you know there's a few too many pigeons in this world anyway hmm. um so i don't can't remember what came of it maybe we just left it i don't know but we talked about doing a heroic thing and we thought about it and, and that I gets did. some points <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like, I nursed the pigeon for weeks at home. <sighs> it's still here now. <laughs> I had a little IV drip for it, like a mini one. <laughs> yeah, I think thinking about doing something kind is also very heroic. Not many people do stop to think about doing And we probably, we probably didn't do it, not because we wanted the pigeon to suffer, but because there wasn't actually anything we could do. Like we, yeah. don't, we don't have a plaster cast for a pigeon. And I don't think the RSPCA has a pigeon unit in its hospitals. So I think they're more about the dogs and the cats and the, you know, stopping people from having pythons in their house and stuff like that. They do kind of roll their eyes. I remember when we were kids, my dad just served like a, a, a mouse nest and we were like, we have baby mice. And they were like, okay, bring them in. <laughs> I was like, now I'm an adult. I'm like, did they just like kill them? I don't know what they did for those. I ones. think they probably just put them in a field and left them. <laughs> Good luck, mice. I could have done that. Yeah. And then one time we, um, uh, my family have some friends up the road who used to have this black Labrador. And when they took the Labrador out for walks, they used to sort of walk down the road and go past our house, sometimes call at the house to say hi or, or go for the walk as well. And um, one time it was summer and we had the living room windows open and we had gravel on the front drive and we could hear this sort of very light crunch, crunch, crunch. And we looked out and it was the dog, but she got out and come oh. down the road and come to our house oh, that's and just, because that's part of her routine I think so we returned the dog we that's could have correct. kept the dog but we returned the dog hard to keep the dog if they know you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah how did you get that black labrador looks exactly like our dog um <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Tesco, Tesco direct we've always had it shut up <laughs> You can get them on Amazon. It just looks the same. And I remember once um, my I was in a park with my mum and sister when we were younger and there was this very elderly woman in like an electric wheelchair and with a guy who was must have been in his 50s and was her son. And I think they had like a massive argument. So she stormed off the only way an elderly woman in an electric wheelchair can storm off, as in she just sped it up. Try to do this really like ferocious U-turn, but obviously the whole thing tipped over, and she wow. fell. And she it was next to a pond as well, so she kind of went into. It was it was like a, it wasn't like the deep end; it was the shallow end. But she went over into that, and she was lying down on her side. She was okay, like she was fine. But we like rushed her, but she's there yelling for her son, and he's just kind of ambling slowly over to her, and we were like trying to help her up and stuff, and it was. Yeah, like he, um, yeah, he was a, a bit of a douchebag, but it seemed like they'd had a bit of an argument. So I don't know, I don't know exactly what happened there. Ooh. I'm assuming she's passed away since she was very old. <laughs> well, that's not your fault. I mean, <laughs> that's not no. We couldn't have prevented that. We're not like we're not total lifesavers here. Exactly. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll think of more heroic. The thing is, I think what we see as heroic on films and TV is always so big and bold, mm. and like you say, like real moments of heroism in the real world are just smaller. Like it might be like picking up some shopping for your neighbor or gonna stay with your friend when they're sick or- Like, you know, you know all, those, all those people who have volunteered to collect prescriptions for people who are sheltering from coronavirus, um, people volunteering at vaccination centers, people who volunteered to be part of the vaccination trials hmm. for the vaccinations as well. 
you know this is heroism and I didn't realize we were going to go into like a meaningful um actual moral to this story I thought we we're just going to talk about silly heroic things that we've done but there we go Hello and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time. And with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not so good aspects of the MCU and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Speaking of heroes, Casual. let's talk about, yeah, segue. <laughs> let's talk about Jessica Jones. My favorite hero. Your favorite hero. Oh, I love her. She's such an icon. I'm going to say this right now, out of all the things we've watched so far, this season one of Jessica Jones was my favourite thing ever. This was <laughs> awesome. I loved this so much. Yeah, I will lend you the comic books because the comics are really good too. And you okay. delve into her past. But yes, I'm so glad you liked it. Really glad. Just, I thought that it was just really involving it was it had a really awesome group of characters mm -hmm. and they never they all evolved or changed in ways that were completely understandable yeah they had these they had all sorts of uh, sort of social themes in there but also it was an exciting story it was absolutely shit scary terrifying at yeah. times Sometimes it's like a horror film. You're just like, oh, I can't look directly at this anymore. Uh, very obviously, it's it was quite similar in style to Daredevil, which mm. is an easy comparison because again, that was also made by Netflix and Marvel combined. We talked before about the sort of the Netflix style of like slow moving, moody, a long two minute um, opening title sequence. Yeah, um, like um, inspired by Rear Window, if you were wondering. What this one was. Yeah. Really? That's like one of my favourite films ever. Well, there we go. Extra reason for you to love it. Yeah. Do you not remember? It's all like windows and people looking through them at other yeah. people. And yeah. It's all inspired by that. And I loved the opening music because it started off as very kind of traditional private <laughs> eye 1940s stuff with like, um, you know, there's a double bass in the background and a little bit of a piano. And then it kind of evolves into a more sort of um, electric rock um, vibe that shows how they've taken the private eye formula and revamped it a little bit. Yeah, nice. You you love it too, I assume. I I was watching it like this. This is Kaylee's jam. Completely. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I love the comic books, and then when they they were gonna make it, I was like, well, how are they gonna make it as good as the comic books? Because in the books, she she's the first superhero to swear on the page, the first superhero to be shown on the toilet. She's like a really sexual not not sexualized, but she's very sexually liberated. Liberated. Yeah, she's. And it, like even in that first episode, she has sex with Luke Cage, not because she's like in love with him, but because she just wants to feel something that isn't like pain, which is nice because normally films and TV shows don't really see that women do that. They're just like sex and love together again all the time. Only ever that or rape. Those are the two or, options. Or if it's a one night stand, it's something sordid and underhand and yeah. like and toxic, like deliberately so. But they have a consensual one night stand as yeah. adults can do if they wish to. 
exactly and i think it like her whole uniform is like not like i feel like the thing is of most of the superheroes i've seen before it's a love interest who's very well put together and very damselly or you've got your superhero like scarlett johansson who i i'm not saying i don't like her but she's very perfect as well like she mm. looks perfect she's very pristine she's got this very tight costume whereas jessica wears like baggy hoodie baggy leather jacket she's she's just sort of doing it on her she's not doing it for anyone else she's not there to look nice for people she's and she's she's grumpy she's so grumpy yeah. all the time and yeah, she's just rude as well isn't she and it's nice to have someone who's not perfect and also she like whenever so usually when superheroes sort of either discover their powers or are dealing with them they have like a, a moment of i can't take it i'm gonna kill myself uh, like yeah. it's all it's all very dramatic and you know sometimes it works but i liked with jessica jones like she's she's kind of, she knows she has the powers but she's it's more like an eye roll mm. like she doesn't really like having the powers but she's kind of like oh well i've got to deal with this now haven't i it's a bit like um you know like again like having a dog like you have it and sometimes it really annoys you <laughs> yeah it is and you get a great scene with her and trish where trish is like this is the costume you should wear and when is and your name could be jewel and she's like that's a stripper name this outfit is really impractical give me a camel toe i can't see through this mask it's just really like yes this is all the stuff we've all been saying while watching she's, she's very she's very julia styles in 10 things i hate about you i'm like yeah she is actually like she's she's kind of sardonic and sometimes that's a bad thing but other times it helps her to see through the sort of veneer of fakeness that humanity can have yeah, and I kind of get the vibe she had that before, but obviously she's increased that to sort of be her armour against the world after what's happened to her. I quite like that they um they never show what happened to her really, like the rape or they don't they don't glamorize that because I feel like most crimes are always about women being like horribly treated. Mm. And this is more about like the dealing with it, the aftermath, the post-traumatic stress. And it's a much healthier way to deal with that story. Let's talk about that, because this is the crux of the whole thing, is that she is a private investigator. And then in the first episode discovers that a man called Kilgrave, played by David Tennant. Played very well. Played very well by David Tennant. Is uh, he's still alive? And this is an old boyfriend of hers. However, the twist in this is that while she is a superhero in that she has super strength and she can jump like sort of. Like, I don't know, jump or glide. So she's very vague about it. She's very vague. In the comic book, she can kind of fly, but not very well. She's sort of like right. bobs and stuff bobs. like that. Yeah, she bobs. <laughs> um, Kilgrave is a mind controller and mm. uh, their relationship was entirely abusive and he made her do things. She eventually managed to escape from him. And the underlying, well, I say underlying, it's not really an underlying theme. It's a theme that's basically smashing you in the face of a brick, is about abusive relationships. And yeah. Uh, where relationships, particularly where one person is very controlling of yeah. the other. And in Kilgrave's case, it's quite extreme because he literally just walks up to someone and says, you know, throw this hot coffee in your face and they just do it. It's, yeah, it is extreme, but I, I feel like it does deal with like the, the fallout of like systemic emotional abuse really well. And there's actually, I've, I've got it. I went through my comic books and found a line where she describes it, which mm -hmm. I thought was quite good. So she says, in my mind, I can't tell the difference between what he made me do or say and what I do or say on my own. The only reason I know I wasn't in love with him is that I say to myself, how could I be? I hate him. And that's it. That's what my sanity is holding on to. How could I be in love with him? Mm. And it's it could have been very easy to make Kilgrave like a very sort of dramatic villain. Mm. But 
the dialogue that he has is very much the dialogue you would expect from someone from just a regular person who is trying to control the other one in the relationship. So there's bits where there's sort of one flashback to when they're actually together. Um, and it's when she's in the yellow dress and they're on the balcony and he, she's thinking of taking her own life. She steps up onto the balcony and nearly throws herself off, but she doesn't in the end. Mm. And he, and he kind of take, tells her off for it and is like really, really sort of mean to her. And then almost immediately then sort of puts his arm around her and says, don't worry, I'm here, I'm here. Yeah. And it's it's making, it's, it's very obviously trying to make her feel like she's reliant on him yeah. at all times. It's and very insidious. So insidious, yeah. And other things like, like he mind controls people into killing themselves in various horrendous ways. But he then says, oh, I've never killed anyone. And she says, well, yes, you have. You've you've mind controlled them. And he's like, well, keep on telling yourself that. Keep on convincing yourself of that. Yeah, it was it was so uncomfortable to watch. And it made him so hateful. Um, also, like when you first see their first meeting, he does come across as like he's he ticks all the boxes of what someone charming should be. Because he's like, amazing. You're amazing. Like, that was really impressive. We should go for dinner. Tell me more about you. Blah, blah, blah. Mm. But, he's always that guy who's like smile on command and mm. no, yeah he's and I think it's interesting as well you don't see him for the I think it's the first four or five episodes isn't it you just know yes, you you do see him I think in like episode two or three but it's you don't get a long scene seeing him yeah. you more feel his presence and I think that's quite a good way of building up how how scary he is and then when you meet him he's, he seems like a very ordinary person but he's got that very chilling thing like she put a bullet in your brain patsy or whatever it is he says and she just does it immediately and thank god there's no bullets in the gun but mm. yeah he's a dark dark character some of, some of the things he does i mean the the some of the, i think the two that stand in my head are actually two of the ones that are less violent but just make you squirm he has them at one point when he's bought by is jessica jones's old childhood home and he has like the the chef and the maids in there who are obviously not there of their own volition. And then he makes them stand and watch for her to return and not blink. They just have to keep their eyes open. Like, can you imagine doing that for hours? And there's another one where it's much later, I think it's like the penultimate episode where he tells some guy to go stand at a fence and stay there forever. And then he just goes over there. And then a bit later, you see this guy still there and he's like shivering in the cold. And I'm like, what happened to him? Like, does he get a happy ending? What? Because According to his powers, this guy will literally stand there until he dies. <laughs> yeah. Well, or Kilgrave dies. So maybe Kil- yeah. that's the thing. When he eventually dies at the end, I get the impression like a spell is broken and everyone's kind of free. Yeah. I mean, I've also think it's quite a, a trope, not a trope, but just something that is common with abusers when he keeps saying like Jessica's making me a better person. Jessica, I need you, Jessica, this. And it's sort of like they they love bomb you almost. They sort of make you feel like you're the most important person in the world. Then they completely pull the rug out from under your feet and then they do it again. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they can make you feel like um, you you can cure them yeah. of, their, of their own issues when actually you can't. Um, yeah. you, you know, it, it might be that you cannot and they need either professional help or in, in Kilgrave's case, and he needs his own bullet to the brain really, doesn't he? <laughs> But it, it was nice to have a very different kind of villain. Yes. And I think they, like we said, I think they had the sort of abusive relationship dynamic uh, done in a really kind of respectful, but really empowering way as well. Because it's 
she's she's already like you say it already starts off with her having moved away from him and then she she faces him she goes she, when she finds out he's still alive she is very much like i need to track him down i yeah. need to know what's happening here and there's and yeah that and that's really good and then i also love that trish her friend slash adoptive sister like when she tells her about kilgrave being alive that usually characters are like you're crazy you're mad you're being paranoid of course he's dead trish is immediately like okay what are we going to do then yeah <laughs> i really like that i think their relationship's great but she's also surrounded by lots of great people she has a really good support network of friends mm. um, she has trish obviously and my brain malcolm malcolm yeah i was just trying to think like hogarth as well she's got like that's carrie ann moss yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she's got mm. like great women around her which is nice people that can do th that can help her out yeah even if they need a bit of help themselves like malcolm has his drug addiction hogarth has her own personal issues that we'll go into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trish herself has also conquered an abusive relationship with her mother. Yeah, um, she is. And, uh, and therefore, I guess, it sort of sees things from Jessica's point of view. But I like how courageous she is. And even though she has no powers herself, she is sort of like, right, let's go in, let's do this, let's sort this out. And yeah. she's quite gutsy. Like, she, she sort of uh, trashes him on her radio show, even though that puts her into the line of fire completely. I quite like also, she has... um. Simpson so he's like the eye candy I guess in that scene he's just there topless like oh hello mm. um, but when he's like you need me to Jessica she's like no I don't and she's like no she doesn't but you could use his help mm. I, I think she's good at reframing like I feel like they would have been so easy for them to be like yes you do because they're arguing about bringing this guy into the case but they stop to be like no you don't need him but it's mm. to have extra help and I think the whole thing of this this whole series is about it's okay to ask for help when you need it yeah which I think lots of people trapped in abusive relationships don't realize they can do and it's okay to talk about it it's okay it doesn't make you a bad person you're allowed mm. to talk and reach out although it's, I think it's understandable that Jessica Jones wouldn't ask for help because I think that because of how dangerous Kilgrave is mm, yeah um, and every time she kind of faces him there are times when I'm like how the hell is she gonna actually conquer him because for the for most of it she can fall under his control very easily even though he keeps saying i don't want to control you i want you to make your own choice but then manipulates her into making choices anyway she he can still control her then when he we find out that actually he no longer can control her and she's somehow conquered his power yeah he then manages to get control of luke cage who is so super strong he can he can potentially uh, uh, kill jessica or he gets control of a load of police officers with guns or something and i'm like how the hell is she gonna actually defeat this guy <laughs> the stakes feel really high in this one so high so high and because you get this sense from the very beginning that he's entirely sadistic and will immediately just make people do awful things like he makes someone soar off their own heads he makes someone throw hot coffee in their face. He makes someone, what else does he do? It's the bit where the police officer, he's like, follow me. And he like does the, the degloving with the handcuff. Um, he makes his mother stab herself like 30 odd times. Yeah, he's like, he every year you left me alone. It's and immensely hope. violent. Or <laughs> hope, he makes her kill her parents. Makes hope kill her parents, yeah. And that's like a sort of sleeper bomb because you think she's that first episode ending. I. I kind of, I have watched this a few times, but you know, I haven't gone back to it for a while. So I kind of forgot how that episode ended. I was like, oh, hope's okay. And mm. I sense that she's back in it again later, but I can't remember why. And then she goes off in the lift and then it's like, she's triggered to do it. 
mm. when Jessica's watching and knows she can't stop her from doing it. Yeah, because he will he will put triggers in people's minds so that if they might maybe hear a certain phrase or meet a certain pet or see a certain thing, they yeah. will then do something. So, and and also what's really horrendous is that when he tells you to do something, it's obvious that the pers the victim is um like mind conscious when they're doing it. It's not the mind he's controlling so much; it's more the body. Yeah, and um, fear in their eyes. Yeah, exactly. Because they they're looking like, why am I doing? Why is my body like tell, like going to stab me? Why am I doing? And so you know what you're doing as yeah. you're doing it, and that that is just oh, that just sends shivers down your spine, doesn't it? Horrible. And he says it so calmly too. He never really raises his voice or gets mm. cross or anything. He's just like, just do this. Just stab yourself in the face. Just yeah. do. It. And it's yeah he's very very dark he's my scary my personally my scariest villain the one that i'm most afraid of in the marvel world is him he, he probably is one of the most frightening villains in not just in the marvel world but i've ever seen yeah mm. well have you seen the invisible man no not yet but it it's, seems like similar vibes similar vibes yeah it's, it's interesting where people were taking like these themes of like coercion and abuse and just redirecting it so people can kind of understand it in a different way because I feel like when it's shown to them as normal they don't really feel the impact of it as much but it's a similar mm. vibe the invisible man is gaslighting Harris. I think that's what good sci-fi and fantasy does is it takes mm. things from the real world and illustrates them in that way so that people who haven't experienced them can get a sense of it or at least realize the the gravity of it yeah. as well can't they but also you so we have this main abusive relationship between Jessica Jones and Kilgrave, and that's like the main one. But around them, there are other examples of other kind of uh, relationships that aren't abusive. Is a big word because it has like legal connotations. But like they're they're toxic. Yeah. Okay. Toxic. Um, unhealthy. But unhealthy. Yeah. Unhealthy or toxic or like if we start yeah. with um, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. I think she's a really interesting character because so she has a wife. Yeah. In here, but it very quickly turns out that she's having an affair with her much younger secretary, and the wife very soon finds out. And that her storyline is about her trying to divorce the wife, but the wife's kicking up a bit of a fuss because she's very heartbroken and upset. Completely fair. <laughs> Completely fair. Yeah. I, don't, I was very much on the ex-wife's side. I was like, you must be. So there's one bit where she, Carrie Ann Moss, is taking her new squeeze to this restaurant. And it turns out that the restaurant is like her and her ex-wife's special place, like where she proposed and stuff like that. And they even bump into the ex-wife there. And even the new the new uh, girlfriend is a bit like, uh, why would you take me here? <laughs> yeah. It's almost like you want to do it to sort of show off. Yeah. It's like a bravado when you know you've fucked up. So you're like, oh, I'm just going to lean into this real hard. Well, that's it. So... It initially starts off as like, oh, you've had an affair. You, you're not in love with your wife anymore. So you've done that. It's not great, but it happens a lot, unfortunately. Like, yeah. obviously. But then you get drip fed little ends insights into her character. She doesn't give a lot away. She's very much a lawyer. She's a, you know, she's very career driven. She wears things. She wears a haircut and dresses that you could literally cut glass on. They're so sharp. And but there's a scene where when in the divorce kind of negotiating, when the ex-wife says to her, all my friends never got what I loved about you. They never liked you, but you were the, you were kind to me. You were always kind to me. And I got the impression that Carrie Ann Moss's character herself is a bit of a Kilgrave, but without the powers. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you know, I did 
I did the therapy for a while and I had a similar thing where I kept being like she was like why did you like this girl and I was like well he was always really kind to me she was like you've set the bar so low for yourself because that should be a given in a relationship like that shouldn't be like one of the plus points that should just be constant and it completely redressed my why I'm thinking about things in that way so I completely agree I think she was abusive but more of yeah. an more sneaky because you don't even realize that you're being they don't know they're abusive the person with you doesn't know they're being abusive I get the impression that um the new the the new girlfriend enjoys the wealth and the power that she has but is also not always so happy with it there are times when she what's the word for it sort of tells her off a little bit like when she finds out that Carrie Moss has um uh bride jurors and she pretends to know about it in front of the ex-wife so that they can save face. But then when the ex-wife leaves, she's like, I can't cover for you when you've actually done some shit things. She says something along those lines. Yeah. So I get the impression that Carrie Moss does enjoy having this young thing sort of falling over her being, and because she has so much more wealth and power, mm. she does have the control. And I think she's, she's sort of latched onto that. And she even wants to use Kilgrave. Mm. at times to get the ex-wife to sign divorce papers she she wants like hope who Kilgrave's um sort of raped and abused mm. is pregnant and she wants the fetus from yeah. her because she thinks that um maybe she can get some of the mind control powers from the fetus potentially I was like that's messed up yeah it's a dark episode that one <laughs> <laughs> I mean they're all pretty dark they're, they're all not, pretty dark yeah there's not one that's like hey happy <laughs> there isn't a musical episode like in Buffy no I would love that <laughs> they do um I think it's interesting as well that they make them an LGBTQ plus couple because I feel like people pay attention to it a bit more than they would if it was a traditional because I feel like the man with the younger secretary has been done so many times over you would just almost gloss over it mm. do you know what I mean yeah, yeah they've changed it even if they'd had like a woman and her husband and like a younger male secretary like just flipping it makes it under the magnifying glass a bit more for people I think it proves that um an abusive or toxic relationship can happen to anyone regardless of your gender your sexuality yeah but I thought she was she was a fascinating character and her her comeuppance that whole scene when like Kilgrave orders the ex-wife to kill her like with a thousand cuts isn't Mm -hmm. it and she's like going at her with a knife and it ends with the new girlfriend coming in, smashing the ex-wife over the head. And she just goes straight into the corner of that glass table. And I, I was just watching it like, I remember I I recommended the show to my colleague before watching that episode. And she said, oh, is it, it do you think it'll be something my 13 year old could watch? And I was like, <laughs> maybe. Then I watched that episode and I went, oh, maybe not. No, no, no. I, I said to her the next day, I just watched an episode where, no I think it's a little bit too violent <laughs> it's rated 18 isn't it probably yeah I mean I watched I watched stuff that was rated 18 when I was 13 but with a with an with awareness yeah, yeah yeah with a reason I agree yeah. no <laughs> oh bless her and she does play quite a big key part in his escape as well because she mm. I mean it doesn't show it happening when she does it but she cuts that wire that makes it, it it makes it possible for him not to be controlled anymore yeah yeah because she wants, she wants him. She wants him to sort of help her out because she herself is controlling, but she doesn't have his powers. Yeah, she wants to use his powers in order to control others and get what she wants. The fact yeah. that she, I think that she's a a, a lawyer mm. is um, that kind of fits that really, really well. Because a lawyer wants a certain result, especially in America, a lawyer wants a certain result and uh, wants people to say a certain thing or do a certain thing, don't they? 
No, she's a very interesting character for sure. Really mm. interesting. Yeah, and yeah. It, um, they had to do something a little bit different because in the comics, um, Jessica is Matt Murdock's bodyguard. She's working in the law. She's working with someone in the law, but it's not who she would. Like, they had to change a few little bits. Like Trish is role is actually Carol Danvers, so Captain Marvel. Right. But obviously, she's getting her own movie, so they brought in Trish, who's you know, it, it's nice that they kept up because it's. I think it's important for Jessica to have like these women around her and these characters around her to help shape who she is. Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree. And they are, you say she's like Matt Murdock's bodyguard, but they they do have um, already some crossovers. So they have Rosario Dawson in the final episode and there's a, which is a link to Daredevil and Luke Cage, I know, gets his own. When when he turned out, he's like, I'm Luke Cage. I was like, oh wait, he has his own TV series. That's great. Like there's a little sort of foreshadowing there. Yeah. there's, they're crossing over in a similar way to the Avengers. Yeah, I, I, obviously I don't know what happens in the comic books, but I assume they do link up in there, but they're going to play around with that in the same way they did with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, there's another potentially toxic abusive relationship and that's Simpson and Trisha, yeah. which starts off fine, but then he gets into, into drugs. And he's been in drugs and he's back into drugs, I think. He's going well. back into drugs. And it also is a nice contrast to um, Malcolm. Mm. It's like the different kinds of drug abuse there are because I mean the one we always think of is like you know someone who's living on the streets and you know shooting up or whatever it is that we they get got their hood up and they got yeah. bags under their eyes and they're emaciated uh, yeah 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 and then you've got like what I think is probably the more common kind of drug abuse nowadays is where people get addicted to like prescription pills and mm. they're like they're what's it called like I hate the word but like the functioning drug addicts of the world so they're still able to carry on as normal almost and he is because he's he's got although he's like a hero in that he wants to um do well by Jessica and Trisha he does have this sort of toxic masculine streak of like mm-hmm. I need to be the hero I need because he he keeps sort of turning up wanting to kill Kilgrave at times when Jessica's like but I have a plan she keeps yeah. shouting I have a plan at him and she does have a plan he does. He, he almost either fucking it up or almost fucking it up by being like I'm just gonna get my guns and, and yeah. then when that's not working, I think that's what drives him towards the these drugs because what he has are like these sort of um, uh, adrenaline rush enhancing drugs that like, you know, the army might use or something. Mm. And that obviously makes him feel like he's powerful and he can do yeah. and stuff. They're red, white and blue pills, aren't they? So it's very like America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very, yeah, the red, white and blue. Yes. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I just kept thinking of The Matrix, but I think that's also because Carrie-Anne Moss is in it. Simpson doesn't even phone Trish, doesn't he? He's like, you need to just leave town. You can't do this. He's very mm. like, you can't do this without me. If I can't do it, no one can do it. And you kind of don't really know. She's like, goodbye, hangs up. You don't really see her again until she pops up with her little gun helping Jess. So you're like, good. I'm glad you didn't listen to him because he's a douchebag. Again, another sort of toxic relationship kind of spinning around it. And I've also mentioned um, Trisha's mother mm. as well. As like that, you don't get a lot of that. There's not much to say about that other than she's a sort of, she was obviously like, she was a stage mom and mm. was forcing her to be like famous and glamorous. She's like, there's scenes where she's um, sticking her fingers down Trisha's throat to like make her throw up food and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and she's obviously still got the, that streak in her, like in adulthood. It, it's the, you got these, you got Jessica Jones and I guess Trisha at the same time at the center of this world where they've got to kind of navigate people who are dangerous to their mental and physical health. 
Yeah, and they've both gone in very different directions as a result, which is, again, quite a nice thing to do because everyone assumes you, mm. you all react in the same way to being in an abusive relationship. So yeah. Jessica's like self-medicating with bourbon, I guess, and yeah. pushing more away from her, whereas Trish has sort of been like, I guess she's hard in a denial phase where she's very like, I'm very fine, I look great, and I'm very positive and upbeat, and I make lots of friends, and I'm doing TV, and nothing mm. is affecting me. And it's quite nice to see the different ways it can go. Yeah, but then if either of them are going to encounter a past abuser, the other one's immediately like, no, no, let's get, let's sort this out. Let's let's help you help each other here. And strong work from Netflix to bring that in. To be honest, really strong work. Yeah, yeah. I also liked how in the movies, um, when someone has like a power, there's usually like bright lights and lasers and things like that. Whereas in Netflix and the series, and mm. Daredevil was kind of like this, but Jessica Jones even more so, the powers are quite subtle. Like Jessica will sort of, uh, the, I think the first time you kind of see her power properly is when she can hear noise from upstairs. So she kind of like not really thinking, throws something against the ceiling but it cracks the ceiling and yeah. like it rubble and stuff. Whereas for me, it would just, I don't think it would even reach the ceiling, let alone <laughs> sort of bounce off and stuff. She's not like the Hulk where she's suddenly like, there's not, there isn't a whole process to it. She just, she could just sort of punch through a wall and, or, you know, just pick someone up and go, look, you over there, there you go. And yeah. then with Kilgrave, he just kind of calmly gives an instruction and the person just does it. It's a more sort of realistic and grounded way of depicting superpowers, I guess, because that is, I guess that's how they would be. If you were super strong and you had a body as weedy as mine, you'd mm. go go up to like a house and just be like, Boop, like that, just like pick it up. Thing is with the Avengers and stuff, they're the only real famous superheroes in the world, even though we know that there's other people with powers. And it kind of makes sense that there would be like a sliding scale almost of what power would be, maybe. Mm. So you've got like tip top, like I'm Captain America, but even he, like you would, it, his powers aren't glossy. It's just that he wears a suit and he is like the front face. Captain and he has a, sh like they, they fight in a, in a very sort of uh, seamless and perfect way. Like he'll throw the shield, beat up some guys and then catch the shield. Yeah. Whereas, uh, like I said, Jessica Jones will just sort of, you know, Punch push, push, but yeah, punch someone like, or she'll push someone and they'll just fall a little bit further than they usually would. Yeah, I, I I love that. I agree. I think mean, it's good because it kind of makes her feel like a sort of hero you can aspire to be almost. If you yeah, want. I must. I think the final episode when her final confrontation with Kilgrave didn't feel as climactic as it should have been. Hmm. But I liked that he she defeated him by basically tricking him into thinking yeah. he has control and then turning the tables on him at the very last minute. And I guess it with him it did have to be a very quick thing like the literally the very moment of vulnerability she has to very quickly just grab him and twist his neck and just do yeah. it and i was quite shocked when i watched it the first time because i assumed he would be back in like other seasons because he's mm. such a part of who she is i guess but it's nice seeing him <laughs> it's one of those few deaths where you're like fuck that out. i'm glad so glad he's dead <laughs> yeah and i think i guess if if she doesn't manage to kill him it, it can get a bit sort of exhausting. And yeah. I guess they they do have to have a moment that says to the audience, you can defeat this if you yeah. are in a similar kind of circumstance. And I love that she uses that refrain of like, smile at him when he dies. Do, does it ever get, did it ever get explained how Jessica Jones doesn't, isn't controlled by him anymore? The way I saw it was that she was sort of acknowledging like 
opening like almost that she acknowledged what he'd done to her and the control he had like almost by acknowledging that he was abusing her that she was able to see that it was abuse does that make sense so seeing through it means that you don't you don't fall victim to it anymore yeah that's kind of how mm. I got it which I is guess so. I, I thought, I, I, yeah, I guess that's quite good because I was kind of expecting quite a scientific explanation because they say how you get controlled by him because it's like a virus. Yeah. To be in a certain sort of vicinity of him and it works for like a certain amount of time. It's like, a, it's like there's a sort of gas or something that he emits that makes people do it. And I don't know whether maybe, maybe her being in proximity to him for so long, she's built up an immunity or something. I was, yeah. I was looking for some kind of explanation like that that was sort of both scientific but also symbolic that makes sense as a scientific one i just quite like the idea that maybe once you've seen behind the curtain you can't unsee it you know what i mean like in the wizard of oz you're like yeah. oh just the man i mean i've said this already but i do like the idea that abuse is a very isolating thing it makes you feel very alone and i i like that it shows that one of its messages is like by reaching out to people you can you can like you don't have to be ashamed of what's happened to you you can just mm reach out and your friends will be there for you and there's always someone who will be there to help you even if you have to call refuge or yeah yeah I think that's important because yeah. it's through other people that she finds that like strength to survive really I can't wait to watch the second season but there was quite a gap between the first two seasons yeah <laughs> well they had all those other shows to put out and <laughs> yeah, a lot of crap to make yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what they're like yeah what would you give it out of five five excellent five like it it was like i said out of all the films all the tv series my probably the fate my favorite thing that we're talking about on this podcast so far i just i was so so into it it was like Dare, daredevil was good but there were times when i felt like they needed a bit more in it to kind of mm. keep it going like especially towards in the sort of middle bit it was just it hit a bit of a slump and then it picked itself up at the end whereas jessica jones i think just kept itself going it had enough storylines going on and enough yeah. characters without it being overloaded it was just the perfect balance I thought that's the thing isn't it because I guess Daredevil was only like three or four five characters max whereas this has got I don't know they all feel really strong like they could all have their own show almost yeah, yeah. and I think that where Daredevil was Daredevil had some humor in his in his friends um uh the, the his colleague and friends oh. yeah yeah um but uh Jessica Jones didn't quite have the humor but there's still a a sort of sardonic feel to it like you yeah that she she herself had this really kind of sarcastic sense of humor that didn't make you laugh as such it wasn't goofy but it made her really endearing and likable and even though she's a grumpy person but it's understandable why she's grumpy <laughs> she's been through a lot we'll give her that <laughs> yeah cool so does it displace your top three do they all move around um no the top three is for films oh okay we're not gonna bring yeah. it. Let's see. if i were to if i were to do a top three for tv series i guess it would be jessica jones uh agent carter and then daredevil but daredevil will probably be displaced because like the other than that the only other tv series we've watched is agents of shield <laughs> and in your top three i can't believe it <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting i'd like you at the end of this for me well we won't ever reach the end of it because they're bringing out more stuff as we speak wonder visions including about nine or ten new tv series within a year yeah i know um but it'd be cool to do like your view like a, a top 10 including the tv and films is it this is the end of phase two maybe we'll do a sort of end of phase review nice let's do that okay we'll do that in a minute yeah definitely <laughs> we do i love that. how spontaneous this whole thing is yeah do you want to do it now or do you want to do it after your quiz 
let's do it now okay so i mean that's my top well yeah i say tv series i put in that order jessica jones agents agent carter daredevil ancient shields mm-hmm. like those four and then with the films and i'm going to look up the list of films okay so overall phase two review of the films and i'm going i'll say all films so number one is the avengers the first avengers film for me number two okay. is um the winter soldier mm-hmm. and number three is ant-man yeah and then i don't have them in an order as such but i have like the upper quartile which is like the iron man movies for the dark world although i know you hate me for liking that quite a lot i just think you're doing it to be controversial as well (laughs) (laughs) critically speaking it's it's not one of the best films right i liked it okay (laughs) from a fan point of view i'll allow it (laughs) and then the middle quartile i guess i put um uh, avengers age of ultron Maybe I'd bring the third Iron Man film down into there and mm. the first two in the upper one. And then the lower quartile will be Hulk and the first Avenger, Captain America, the first Avenger. Oh, and Thor, the first Thor would be in the middle quartile as well. Interesting. Okay. Cool. What about you? Have, uh, you? have you changed your mind dramatically on any of them? So I do like Ant-Man a lot more. Like, it was always in my top five. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to put it, I don't want to order them because it makes me feel like I'm betraying them. So I'm going to put it in my top five still. My top five in no order remain Ant-Man, Guardians, Winter Soldier, Avengers, and Iron Man 3. Cool. Yeah, I think I, I, they're not ordered. <laughs> and then, yeah, my TV is probably very similar to you. Although I'm like, oh, I just don't know, like between Peggy and the Devil. I think they're on an equal footing. So it goes like... Mm. Jessica, those two, and then way down at the bottom is <laughs> Agents <laughs> of Shield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, the um, the Peggy Carter thing we can think about because that the next episode is Agent Carter season two. So mm. exactly, I think it will. She's a great yeah. character. I love Agent. I love Agent Carter. I love. Peggy. I like. I like how Haley Atwell did like was the female lead in one of the films and then kind of gets a cameo in not just other films but the tv series as well <laughs> yeah she basically is doing a sam jackson she's like i'm in all of them <laughs> then every, every now and then they're like let's bring in Haley atwell and she's like okay well i would never say no i'd be like good constant money i'm coming in i know i know i agree shall we do a quiz let's do it hang on whoop, whoop, whoop. notes Okay, first question, you know it. What do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? I think it's going to be high, 97. Well, you went a little bit higher, but 94. You were very It's a good one, isn't it? Mm. I thought in the 90s for this, surely. Mm. I can't be that detached from reality. (laughs) Um, What do you think Chris and Ritter had to do before before filming began? Get fit? Like physically fit? (laughs) She did, but you know what? It's nice because she had to put on 10 pounds in muscle. Really? So she had to train for two months and bulk up her muscle, which mm-hmm. I think is really interesting because most of it, it's normally the other way, isn't it? Usually it's lose weight, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that was nice. What colour is Kilgrave associated with? Purple. Yeah. He was so always in, the, in purple. So in the comic books, he is purple. Oh. <laughs> in and everything he's just like entirely purple so that's quite so I, I so they didn't make him purple because they didn't want another red skull moment maybe i think so and also it's it's more frightening i guess that he looks more real like mm. david Tennant, you kind of associate i know he plays a lot of villains when you think about it like barty crouch being the worst one maybe yeah <laughs> you know? yeah 
but um he he's also never been very charming and like kind of like a the thinking woman's crumpet type thing so <laughs> when he pops up as this guy you're like oh god but then since then he has played a lot of villains so because he's doing all his sort of doctor who mannerisms and forms of speech and stuff but also he's psychopathic yeah which makes it so much more scary because you're like i could see myself falling for this guy and then getting trapped in this cycle and also i think purple's a good choice because it's um it's a very rare color to appear like naturally mm. as well like that's why the you know royal it's such so associated with royalties because it's so expensive so um i guess he's going to stand out compared to sort of whatever else is around yeah definitely i was finding funny in disney films that they're always green aren't they all the villains are associated with that really lurid lime green almost um in the comics jessica jones went to high school with one of the other superheroes do you know who it was Ooh, i don't know it's peter parker oh that would make sense yeah. yeah but she has a little crush on him and after her accident he tries to reach out to her she's like you don't know what it's like and i'm like oh but he will <laughs> <sighs> um yeah and actually she's she's very aware of the superhero world in the comic books like the comic books is much more superheroes are a really big part of the world it's very open like they're almost icons so she she masturbates to the human torch nice <laughs> yeah you know, she's at school with peter parker her dad works with Tony sark and they're all very out there and so when she talks about becoming jewel do you mm. remember the superhero yeah, she doesn't yeah. actually do that in the comic books and she's got like, that costume and the purple hair and she's dual for a while and flies around they are going that way in the avengers movies but the tv series is more like everything's still a little bit underground it's like you've got the avengers who are like the icons but there's a whole load of other ones who are staying underground um yeah. it's dealing with the less the, the more sort of um uh economically disadvantaged people i guess <laughs> whereas the avengers all come from slightly sort of wealthier back well i say slightly wealthier back tony starts freaking billionaire um <laughs> much wealthier backgrounds yeah <clears throat> i think it's good that they didn't show her in that costume as well it kind of under i mean it undermines her in the comics it wouldn't well. fit her she i think she, i think they should have a scene where she wears it she goes i feel stupid yeah she she does look silly in the books and like that's how he, he gains control of her while she's in costume as jewel mm. and he kind of ruins that superhero for her and that's why she won't wear the costume again because she she doesn't want to be. I feel like she does actually try and be another superhero. She gets another costume. I can't remember what it is. I have to reread them. What genre do you think they took influence from? Horror. No, film noir. Noir. Oh yes, of course, yeah. Um, they said the line between what's legal and what's not legal gets very blurred, and her drive is not always necessary to solve the case as much as it is to pay rent. And people having to go above the police's head to get the justice that they want as well. Yeah. Um, so Shaman and Mr. Rosenberg expected to be inundated with viewer complaints about one particular scene. Can mm. you guess what it was? Oh God, it could be anything. I'm not sure. So she was worried about the abortion storyline and people getting cross with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it was interesting how Hope didn't think twice about no. it. She literally just threw that pill down her didn't she? Yeah. But as it turns out, she wasn't hit with complaints for that, but before the, um, it's actually so depressing. <laughs> it didn't come out that long ago, but for the relationship between a white woman and a black man. Really? Yeah. People were really, well, I say people, some idiots in the world probably voted for Trump. Um, they, <laughs> they were very, oh, that just makes no sense. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pro-choice and stuff when it comes to abortion, but I would have, expected there to be more outcry about that storyline than about 
a interracial relationship. Yeah, because I guess the first one is rooted in some people's, you know, warped beliefs or religion. And you can kind of see that it would be a I don't know. I can kind of see how that would still be a problem for some people, but or even or even for people who are okay with abortion happening, they might be concerned about it being presented in quite an insensitive way. Yeah. Um, and they might want a discussion about that around it. But yeah, yeah they might be like, oh, it has to be an evil person. Maybe people just want to have an abortion because they don't want a kid. Like, like that. You could see that there's lots of little facets, but no, it was that. And also her picture ended up on a Rosenberg. Her picture ended up on a hate site because she's Jewish. Really? Yeah. The world's a crazy place. Really it is, isn't it? It's just, <laughs> it continues to baffle me. I don't know why. Because at this point we shouldn't be shocked anymore. And I know we shouldn't be. We should just be like, yeah. Is that but like I can't even think when this came out, it wasn't that long ago. Netflix hasn't been around making the stuff it's been making for so long. But no. Anyway. <laughs> um, I've already told you the answer to this, but let's see if you were listening to me. Who was Trish Walker originally meant to be? Captain Marvel. Yes, she was. I was listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> what a horrible moment for you otherwise. Um <laughs> Can you guess who the original choice for Kilgrave was? Ooh, um, was it another British person? No. No. Mm, no, no idea. I'm going to tell you, and I'm intrigued to see what you think. Jim Carrey. Uh, uh, I'm. I think they made the right choice. <laughs> I think I, that's I an interesting choice. Yeah, they could, yeah. I he's traditionally like a funny kind of character and you kind of know him as being like the nice guy so I kind of see what they were doing with that vibe but um he's he has been a villain before wasn't he the Riddler yeah but he and was again like a silly villain really that's Riddler. it so if he I, I always wonder if Jim Carrey could do more like le- less comedic acting I think he could have put the energy into it but it may have come across so campy that it would have lost the terror whereas David Tennant like he had the kind of again the Doctor Who effervescence, but yeah. in a more terrifying way. Did you spot Stan Lee? Oh no, I didn't actually. So it's a little tricksy thing. I think this is the Netflix way of doing it. So he was a photo hanging in the building when Jessica Jones put herself in the lockup. Ah, uh, I see. So do you remember that happened with Daredevil as well? Mm, yes, so- he was in the back. He was on like a in a, a, a newspaper. Yeah, so I kind of think that that's the vibe they're going for with with the Netflix. Maybe he doesn't want to be involved in that. I guess because the Netflix series are less humorous than the films. So in the films, they can just put Stan Lee and give him a line. Like they make him drunk at a at a bar at one point. They they always give him a funny line or something. Yeah, and it's a bit darker, isn't it? So yeah, it would it would be a bit jarring it'd be like Stan Lee stab yourself in the face and you'd be like oh no <laughs> or, or if Stan Lee turns up with like um you know a couple of very attractive women on his arms like he often does like I'm like that's that kind of like detracts from this sort of um toxic relationship theme that you've got going through this <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what did you this is more just like a my own thoughts what did you think of her relationship with Luke Cage you know what this was the only part where I wasn't massively interested. Hmm. I didn't find Luke Cage very interesting in himself. I think he was a bit too gloomy and a bit too, just too moody and and a bit one note. Maybe I'll think differently once I watch his series and they expand on him a bit more. But yeah. I wasn't, this was the only bit where I wasn't massively engaged. So I was quite glad that it wasn't, 
you know, done, used constantly. I liked when he came back towards the end and she had to kind of face off against him because he was under Kilgrave's control. I thought that was a good twist, but I didn't feel like their relationship bubbled. There was no like crackle there or anything. I think they didn't want to do too much with him because of his own series, like you mm. said. But, um, I mean, in the comic books, they're, they're cool. They're a cool couple because they're very on off, very on, very yeah. on. And, you know, they don't really necessarily have the straightest, smoothest path, but it's be interesting. Um, did you notice anything about the episode titles? They have AKA. Yeah. So they're really going to call it AKA Jessica Jones. The whole series was going to be called AKA. Right. But they didn't do that. I think it would have sounded a bit naff, to be honest. I agree with them making that decision. Um, yeah, so they did that, and every episode title minus the AKA is referenced out loud by a character in the show. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, so it's cool. a bit like it's a bit like Friends, the one with the one with the one where. Yeah, yeah, it is actually. I wondered if it was because she was like so and so, AKA blah blah blah. She does say it at some point, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see any references to the other superheroes? Not that I remember, but I'm sure there were lots. <laughs> Um, well Luke Cage talks about the big green dude and his crew Um, and there's a kid dressed up in Captain America's uniform playing on the street and they talk about the incident which seems to be everyone's very glossing over of what actually happened it's always the incident is um, constantly the New York thing (laughs) and I quite like as well that um, when I was like Kilgrave has mind powers. How mental. And they're like, a city literally fell from the sky and aliens attacked us. Yes. So that's quite fun. Obviously, there's lots of like references to Daredevil. Mm. Because those worlds are going to connect, like you say. What else does Jessica Jones dress up as? Oh, she dresses up as a nurse. Yeah. Um... One of them leads to a title of an episode. Uh, I can't remember. Um, no, can't remember at all. Sandwich. Oh yes, she does. Yes, that was so funny. Yeah, I love it. That's that'll be the question I end on. <laughs> what she dress up as? A sandwich. A sandwich, and we move on. Well, I think that's quite nice because you know it's like that little girl who dresses up as a hot dog in that viral video of all the kids who go to school dressed as princesses. She, she is. She is the hero of our. T- she is the true hero. Active. That's a true act of heroism. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Be a hot dog princess. I love it. I love that. I love her facial expression in it. She just looks so overjoyed. She's like <laughs> the child in Ant-Man when he gives her the ugly rabbit. She's like, I love it. <laughs> so cute. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm glad you liked it. Really I glad. did enjoy it very, very much. I, um, I'm sad that I have to wait so long for the second series. Well, it's you who makes the rules, Paul. <laughs> I did make the rules and I'm very much hoisted by my own petard with that one. But, but. <laughs> But the next episode is Agent Carter, and I did like the first series, so I'm looking forward to seeing Hayley Atwell in action again. Pow, yeah, pow. Cool. it'd be nice to see her get down and day. And it, we also officially start Phase 3 with Agent Carter Season 2. Jeez, I mean, what, what a ride it's been. You've gone through Phase 1 and Phase 2, but now you go into the longest phase of all. <laughs> the phase where they literally threw all the money at everything. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, it seems to be working. Go, 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 go! <laughs> you've been listening to an episode of the marvel virgin if you'd like to join in the conversation you can tweet us at the marvel virgin we hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode